We're back with the Care to Change podcast. We appreciate you choosing to join us today. We are continuing our month of real parenting topics by talking about ADHD, anxiety, and impulse control. April will be joined by our counselor, Mike Spencer, for today's discussion. We hope you find this conversation helpful as we try to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux, the director here at Care to Change, and I am so glad that you have chosen to spend this time with us. We are right in the middle of a series this August that we're calling Real Parenting, and we have selected some of the difficult topics that parents often struggle with as it relates to parenting their kids. And so instead of talking about the same thing all month long, we've picked different topics that we know that kids struggle with and that parents struggle with. And we want to offer you some really practical solutions so that you can parent effectively. Uh, We started the month with a conversation with Britt talking about what foundation uh, your kids need in order to be successful at school. By now, your kids are in school. Hopefully you've developed another routine in this new school year and things are going well. We talked about what healthy dating is and how to prepare your kids for healthy dating and what to do when you recognize that perhaps they're in an unhealthy relationship. Jared then joined us last week and talked about bullying. What an interesting conversation that we hate to have, but is all too real in today's world. And today, uh, another difficult but important topic most of the time because we as parents struggle with this, and that is what to do when your kids have too much energy because kids have energy anyway. But what do you do when your kids kind of have too much energy? Maybe they're not using it wisely, or they're getting in trouble with the energy. Maybe they have been diagnosed with ADHD or anxiety or impulse control. And we really on purpose put these together just because of the overlap, uh, ADHD, anxiety and impulse control. And we'll begin to sort of uh, discuss that. And so we brought back Mike Spencer for this conversation. Mike, thank you for coming. Oh, it's great to be here. I always love it. I love having you here. I love the wisdom that you bring around this topic and so many of the other topics that we have. Uh, And so I'm looking forward to having this discussion because I know that lots of parents are pulling their hair out saying, (laughs) oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with this child of mine? And I'm tired of getting phone calls from the school already this school year. Right or at home or whatever. And so I really want to give our our listeners some really practical advice. That's probably not the greatest word, but some information that they can use. And then next week, you're going to be back with us. And I'm really excited about this one as well. It's what to do when you catch your your kid with porn. Uh, Because it's not if, it's when. And so um, if you're interested in that topic, watch for that release next week. So Let's get started. Mike, you have been in the field helping parents. Well, first of all, you've been a parent for how long? Wow. My oldest will be turning 31. Right. And you have five kids. Five kids. Youngest turned 13 today. Oh, wow. So yeah. Happy birthday. Wow. So 
You've got 13 to 31-year-old. Right, yeah. So it's quite a span. You've been through this. Still in the middle of it. And my guess is, based on stats, you had at least one that had a lot of energy. (laughs) Well, that would be true. It was number one, yeah, the very first, yeah. You got lucky, the very first one. I know, I know. (laughs) I joke, yeah. My third one is my middle... Uh, son is the one who has the least kind of, he's the chillest. And I'm, if we had him first, we would have had a dozen kids, but <laughs> instead we have five. <laughs> he stopped at five. That's right. It's like, this is enough. <laughs> oh my, I can't even, I cannot even imagine. So we, we brought Mike in just because he's so gifted and in, in working with kids and with families. But you know, Mike is, is a parent himself and has been through this. Mike has also been trained in what we call TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And it's a research-based proven method of how to connect with kids, how to correct undesirable behavior. And let me tell you, earlier this year, we released um, a podcast on what to do in that. It got us so many hits. And we'll put that one in the in the show notes, just because it's worth it. If you, if you're experiencing behavior, you don't want to experience. And that is also not if, but when that's a podcast, you don't want to miss. And so Mike is trained in that he's a practitioner, but he also went and got additional training. So he's also an educator. He can come to your church, to your school to do some training on trauma-informed care and trauma-informed classrooms and TBRI. So Mike's been in the field also for 30 years. 30 years. So yeah. a parent uh, in the counseling field for 30 years, also trained in TBRI and an educator as well as brain spotting. Right. Mm, true. Yes. So I, I just like, okay, who else are we going to bring in to have this conversation? <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this because usually it comes out like this where my child has been called to the principal's office X number of times, you know, or my child's on medication or my child's doctor uh, recommends medication or right. I can't take it anymore. Right. What am I supposed to do? They keep destroying property or whatever. Right. So it usually by the time we get the call, that's what the call is. Right. And yeah. There's been a lot more, gone a lot more down the path and yeah. run into other issues than just at home. So we want to equip you. And the reason why we, we added ADHD, anxiety and impulse control is because of the overlap. So Mike, will you just... Start us off really describing the reason why, because I don't think a lot of times parents understand that there's so much overlap. And when we are meeting with their kids, we're we're really trying to determine what the cause of this is. Sure. Well, I think one of the certainly high energy is can be a a descriptor for a child with ADHD, Uh, but it's much more than that. And, And so I think kids who have a hard time sitting still. They, they display signs of being impulsive and they can certainly um, get out of control emotionally. But when it comes to like differentiating that high energy from ADHD, push come to shove, they are able to control their impulses if, they get a, if they're focused and aware. They, they are able to pay attention more like in school. So the impulsive, the child who's just impulsive uh, in a sense of as a result of high energy at school and other contexts will find a way to be more attentive than, say, the child with ADHD or anxiety. 
Okay. Um, they have a greater, greater control over it. That high energy impulsivity is less uh, control of them. So when you move into the ADHD, then the differentiation, the, sort of the core symptoms are the, the hyperactivity, the inattentiveness, the tendency to be, get distracted and leaving tasks unfinished. And with ADHD, you find that there's an avoidance of tasks that require prolonged attention. They don't. They tend to not ha have attention to the detail of things. Uh, a lot of forgetfulness and poor time management and organization skills. And with your ADD child, you're going to have a lot of lost things, tendency to lose things. You know, those are some of the inattentive. Then when you add in the hyperactivity, a lot of squirming and fidgeting, while seated especially, and moving around or standing instead of staying seated. So it actually kind of finding themselves that they just can't sit down, being loud when participating in activities, talking a lot, finishing other, other sentences. So there are a lot of symptoms with the hyperactivity rather than that aren't just necessarily energy related that look like, oh, this person's just busy with energy. Um, they have a real difficulty stopping themselves even when it comes to like talking um, and answering questions before the question is completed, mm. um, things like that. With the anxiety, let's say, differentiating that. Actually, let me say one more thing. There tends to be a time-blindedness to those with ADHD and uh, an inflexibility that I also want to add into there as sort of things that you might notice. Uh, so it's a lot. ADHD is a lot more than just being distracted mm. and fidgety. Right. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot more to it. Mm -hmm. And I would even reference uh, something that kind of is helpful to sort of see some of these things is what's called the uh, ADHD iceberg. OK. It's a helpful little distinguisher that shows kind of beneath the surface what's when you see on the surface, you see trouble focusing and you see fidgetiness. Well, below the surface, there are all these other things, oftentimes including depression. Mm. Um, besides just, you know, the poor impulse control that you, you see, there's an internal resp you know, just distractedness is, uh, constantly going on. Mm. So let me jump to, uh, sleep that, what are some of those, you know, actually anxiety sleep is one of the first symptoms sleep disturbance that may involve difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. And as a result, you might not be surprised at this, but there's an increased irritability with mm -hmm. that. With the fatigue, uh, being argumentative, withdraw, withdrawing from peers can be uh, a symptom of anxiety, especially as it relates to social anxiety. Mm. And maybe even in that context of social anxiety, kind of refusing, kind of refusing to go to school mm. just because they don't want to be in the context of all those people. Being disruptive, clowning around the classroom, twirling hair, picking skin and other sort of anxious behaviors. Mm. Um, are some of the, the symptoms of ang anxiety. So what does that then look like in the classroom or, you know, especially as that being inattentive, you know, mm -hmm. poor peer relationships because of that anxiety, the withdrawal from relationships and the lack of uh, sleep and the anxiety can certainly cause slow work habits. Uh, perfectionism, you know, makes you slow uh, doing your math, uh, mm -hmm. not faster. And then sort of the constant movement where they're moving around and, and having that kind of uh, sensory input so as a distraction from their anxiety, from their worries. Mm. 
So those are some ways in which they are different and some ways in which then therefore they look the same. Because in class, the way it comes out, is that intent inattentiveness right. a lot of times. Right. I think the message for parents is to understand, because I know a lot of times parents want to jump to medication, which right. we always say, you know, therapy, building life skills, building conflict management skills, those real hard transferable skills in combination, if the child needs medication, both are are what's going to get the best results. Absolutely. And then can you talk about um, for just a minute, so for so parents, first of all, find a clinician that knows the difference and doesn't jump to one or the other. Right. Because the kind of medication might be different and the kind of treatment definitely is different. How a clinician works with someone, a child with anxiety is different than how a child, how a clinician works with a child that has ADHD there's some overlap in working with impulse control, but what we do is different right? Uh, for a child with anxiety than for a child with ADHD. So I want, I'd like for you to talk about this notion of impulse control. Tell the listeners what we know about the brain as it relates to impulses, especially with kids. Well, right. I mean, so they're just developing the braking system and the ability to stop themselves. Uh, and so for many kids, uh, that's really not that not as developed or underdeveloped. And so with the with the brain, we have to we know that connection in the relationship and developing an awareness of other people around them helps their brain connect with the consequences and the actions that what they do. So you cannot treat your kids like they have an adult brain. Right. This is key to it. Their brain is just not an adult brain. Right. So the things that you can do to control yourself don't apply to your to your children. Right. And you know, we say it a lot here, you know, when when parents say, What were they thinking? You're like, well, yeah, they weren't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't because their brains aren't fully developed yeah. to be able to think and even as adults, there are so many adults that have right. impulse control. And yeah. When my mom asked that question, I said, I was thinking it would be fun. Or <laughs> <Right. laughs> I mean? wasn't. What was I thinking? <laughs> it was just the next thing to do. Right. Right there it was. <laughs> right. Right. So you're avoiding something or you're being drawn to something, right? So you're not necessarily right. thinking what that is. I think that's important for parents to understand that we, the expectation, we're like, we call it setting the bar. Like right. we need to set the bar, set the expectation at a level that is realistic with where they are developmentally. Right. Especially Absolutely. related to impulse control. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to be really frustrated and so are they. Right. So we have this whole piece of, is it where they are developmentally? And there's an element of impulsivity just by virtue of age. Right. Is it uh, related to ADHD? You know, is there yes. a biological um, piece that's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. similarly with anxiety, there's also, is it circumstantial life right. structure experiences, adverse experiences? Where is the child from? You know, there's, there's that whole component of, well, tell, tell me about the environment, you know? And so, what's important to know from this is it's not just my child has a lot of energy, right? Because how we handle 
a child with a lot of energy will depend on all of these factors. Correct. And if right. you want to raise your kids successfully and be able to help them learn to regulate, right? Um, understanding that background is imperative. Right. They are simply adapting to their circumstance the best they know how. Yeah. And if we can see that and understand that, uh, then we'll have a lot more success um, with these type of behaviors. But with that child, we'll have a lot more success if we just think of them as they're just simply not controlling themselves and they're just being selfish or whatever. Now we have a, a whole uh, issue to overcome mm -hmm. in our ability to connect with that child and really understand where that child is actually coming from. Coming from. And you just said that so beautifully because as parents, you know, and I have two teenagers um, and we have countless parents who have come to Care to Change um, and you've worked with parents longer than even being at Care to Change, but, you know, they come because they want to correct the behavior. Right. Make this undesirable behavioral stop. Make it so that they can focus. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the focus becomes so much on the behavior versus, okay, well, what's underneath that? What is it a yeah. child that's like, well, I just thought it would be fun. Right. <laughs> right. Is it the behavior, you know, and we get so hyper-focused Didn't you on... think about the consequences? Uh, no. No consequences, right? <laughs> what? I was just thinking it was fun. And I remember right. my mom saying to me when I was a teenager, when she would hand me the consequence, I hope it was worth it. And I would say right. to her most of the time, yeah, yeah, it was because it was okay. so much fun, whatever right. it was. Right. right. And so, um, but in most cases, those you were, were impulse. <laughs> those, were, those were sort of pre-planned. But so um, we get so focused on that behavior right. versus that, really understanding right. what's beneath that. Right. You know, in the world of TBRI, we say, look at the need behind the behavior. Right. And therefore, we don't ask that question. Mm -hmm. We don't ask the question, what does my child need mm -hmm. to address this and to be able to manage their emotions and be able to sit in the chair or to be still enough to be able to listen to instructions and mm -hmm. remember them, you know, find a way to remember them when they get home. Mm -hmm. um, we don't ask what's, what do they need? Right. If we, if we're not thinking about that. Right. Cause we're too busy just wanting to correct the behavior. Right. We just want to hand out the consequence that's going to change the behavior. Right. Just tell me what consequence is going to make this never happen again. Oh man, that is not the thing you want to try to achieve. It's like, yeah. you might as well that'll just be so frustrating. Hit your head up against the wall over and over and over because right it's not going to change it or it might manage it for a moment correct <laughs> so let's go there with that so parents first thing understand really what's behind it understand the differences and I know we just sort of barely scratched the surface of the differences between anxiety mm -hmm. depression and just typical development but just to throw the awareness out so that you can explore more about that. And we'll put some links in our show notes so that you can right. explore that a little bit better. But so for the parent listening, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do, Mike. Yeah. You know, I think that there oftentimes is, a, as we've kind of said it, there's a lack of awareness mm -hmm. that really 
you know, you don't realize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's also challenging figuring out, okay, we're going to, we're going to draw some awareness to it. So we want to establish like, what's the baseline of the behavior as a sort of clinical way to say it. What's the mm-hmm. level of, mm-hmm. of activity? Like uh, how often does my child blurt out in class the answer or, or without raising their hand and mm-hmm. being quiet and waiting for the teacher to call on them? Uh, what's that baseline activity? How, how often you know, does my child reach across and take something off of my plate? Mm-hmm. Um, it's out of impulse, right? Right. You know, what, what's, what does that baseline look like? And of course, the object of doing that is not to shame them. Right. Right. It's not to go see how often you're doing, you're irritating mm-hmm. people. That's not the point, but it is a, a point to under, to begin to know where we're changing from. Right. So we just kind of begin to gather an awareness of, so that might look like, you know, of course there's a, the classic old three by five check mark, you know, whenever you blurt out, you know, we, we write a, we write a check mark down. I would say it's also one of the benefits say of some of behavior, you know, some of uh, discipline systems that use tokens, uh, I'm not necessarily one who would uh, do that all the time, but I would say that you know, sometimes to, if 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 you re, if you do something impulsively, if you and then you have to get up and go take a token out of your little container and put it in something else, you're establishing awareness and you're also establishing a behavior interruption by having them go and get a token and then and move it. And so you're developing this awareness of, oh, I'm doing this and it's directly costing me something. So if it's tied to something that they value, again, I'm not proponing any, any particular system except to say that's a way of developing an awareness for a child beyond just a little check mark on a three by five card on the, on the, the spot at their table where they sit. I like the way that you said it's a, a behavior interruption. Yeah. Because I I have just been such a um, opponent to clip charts and clip down and right. and demerits or whatever they're called sure, because sure. like okay well you're managing the behavior right but you're not really training them up you're just like managing the right, behavior right and so if it's for the purpose of slowing that's slowing right slowing it down and be and interrupting the behavior to give them a moment to reset correct in yeah. that manner um, right. then it would be really appropriate. Yeah. Um, to use. Yeah, because it's not it's not about the consequence necessarily itself. Right. But it's to say if you tie it to uh, you're wanting to tie it to something that they feel motivated to a little bit if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're creating an awareness and then by doing that, interrupting the behavior, we're creating the awareness, interrupting the behavior, and then having them do something that is a replacement behavior. So that, you know, I interrupt, I don't spot out the answer, right? My appropriate response is to raise my hand. That's, a, that's sort of a, a simple one. Mm-hmm. You know, that response of, hey, mom, can I have one of your French fries, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we're totally okay with it, um, as long as it's mom's French fries and not dad's, dad's French fries. right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe because mom will have a better response. Right, that could be. <laughs> um, so... Just, just to learn that I have to, even though mom's okay with, it, I still need to treat her with respect, mm-hmm. right? I need to treat them like these right. are hers, and I'm right. asking something, and I'm, you know, may I can I have one of your French fries as opposed to just reaching over and snatching it because that's my impulse, right? Right. I want to replace that impulse with a 
appropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. I think when I, I, I'm taken back to when, you know, in, in TBRI, you know, uh, teaching impulse control, one of the things that sounds so counterintuitive, but we have them here, you know, when right. we have the, um, the uh, Nerf gun right. fights. And yes. like, how is having a Nerf gun fight teaching impulse control? Well, you pause to say, can I, can I shoot you? You right. know, like not May literally, obviously. Please, yeah. May I? And so you're teaching them to pause, to ask rather than right. just to act on it. And right. um, the terminology is not that great these days, but the, the perp, the point of it is right. to pause rather than just to get caught up in yeah. the moment of whether it's fun or, right. you know, um, to right. teach them that. And it sounds counterintuitive, yeah. but. And that's where like, you know, working with parents to play games mm-hmm. that are specifically centered on that it's going to be exciting and you're going to have a hard time controlling your impulses. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to use this game to ramp you up. Yes. Right. And then we're going to practice calming ourselves down to where we get into a state. So knowing that not only is it the, are these problems there, but they're also exaggerated when the body itself is more ramped up and right. more energized. Um, so like, like uh, spot it is my favorite yeah. uh, to do, to do that with because they have to, it's a matching game and they have to say what the match is before they can take the card. So the impulse control comes in using their words to before they take the card. Right. And what you'll notice is that they'll begin to reach for it before they say it. Even they don't need to. Even though they mm-hmm. win the point or the card by just saying the words, they will start to reach for it first. And when they start doing that, when the hand starts getting there before the mouth says, then we pause the game and we do some right self-regulating some bre- some breathing exercises mm-hmm. you know uh some magic mustache pressing on the lip upper mm-hmm. lip to to lower the body's uh energy level or wall push-ups things like that so it's a great way to a fun way to mm-hmm. work on that impulse control like with the mm-hmm. nerf guns as well <laughs> Oh. It's, it's funny to watch parents start to lose their own impulse yeah. control where they start grabbing for the, right. for the, for the card before they have said the word. So, right. <laughs> Oh, this is bringing up so many memories of these magic mustache and right. And on the wall pushups that I used to use when my kids were younger. And, um, isn't it fun being a therapist with kids? We get to try all these things. With yes. Their kids. There you go. <laughs> I always like my kids are either going to be really, a mess or they're just really going to be really outstanding because you know <laughs> okay i'm going to try this with you today and they know oh no here it comes mom. now what's mom going to have us do <laughs> um <laughs> so what does a parent do first understand the difference know where they're coming from right and institute some really intentional methods yes. of understanding the baseline where it's starting you know i i think let me just say we're not going to discipline it out of them mm-hmm. right so if i were working with with when i work with anxious children right it all is always this question of when i know this behavior annoys me but what's underneath of it right if and so actually the first thing a parent has to do is control themselves And asking the question, where is this behavior coming from? And that's sort of kind of where where we start. What is the need of my child to get me into that correct space to actually be helpful? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, you're in the car, you're driving somewhere and, you know, one of your children is, you know, whacking the back of your seat. Right. It's hard. It's 
you know, it can be challenging. So I'm not trying to say that it's easy. So you begin with that. What is the need of my child? Then with you, you bring up the awareness, mm-hmm. you practice ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. You practice like we were describing with the game off mm-hmm. the spot where you, where you're going to actually need to use it. And then you use it then when you're in the car and they're tapping the back of your seat and it's like, Hey, sounds like maybe you need to take some deep breaths. Yep. Right. So, so like you've that might taught help. them the skill. Correct. Before you need it. And we say it a lot when we say like, you don't ask for the life vest when you're in the middle of the storm. You right. prepare ahead and put the life vest where you can grab it. So essentially we're going to teach them skills right. day to day so that when you're beginning to see the behavior, you can reach for the skill. We're going to be proactive. Right. And those two things, Mike, really are those three, knowing the difference, understanding what they need. Well, really for like regulating yourself yes. and planning ahead of time. Those are four things that generally speaking, I hate to say it, but we don't do it as parents. We don't right. do those things. Right. That's right. And so if we focused on those four, and then I want to encourage parents to listen to our TBRI podcast about right. empowering and connecting how to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. If we use those strategies, we're, we're automatically going to see improvement. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, that's the way it works biologically and relationally. Right. Right. And it sounds almost too simple. And I know that's not a clear cut, use these five steps, but the reality is we know that it does make a difference. So number one, know what the difference is. Uh, number two, understand what the need is. Number right. three, keep yourself regulated. Yes. Number four, practice ahead of time. Yes. <laughs> and then use those TBRI skills that we've talked about with empowering and connecting and then right. when necessary, because they are kids and they're not fully developed, then obviously there's correcting right. uh, the behavior, redos. Yeah. Let's um, try that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about the power of a redo, especially for an impulsive child. Well, partly the the real significance of doing a redo uh, in part is it reduces the level of kind of upset, the level of intensity of the correction, if you use that word. So if they're going to do a redo, then they have this opportunity to do it the right way. And therefore, they're creating a, a body memory of doing the right way. So when your child says, when you say, what were you thinking? And you say, I wasn't. Well, if, we've, if we're doing redos, then their body actually is going to prompt them to do it the right way with practicing the redo. So that's what the real significance of the redo is, among others. But that's a big right. one. That's so good. So tell me some resources that you would direct the parents that are listening to it. Again, we'll put in the show notes the link to those specific to how to connect, how to correct, how right. to empower an environment. What are some resources that you would recommend? You know, I think one of them, which you've referred to with the content, is actually in the book called The Connected Child by Karen Purvis. And that's Karen with a Y, K-A-R-Y-N, Purvis, P-U-R-V-I-S, The Connected Child. And so there, there are just a, a tons of um, great direction and, and resource there. And another one, just kind of knowing knowing your child and understanding your child with uh, how your child is smart yes. and uh, understanding how they learn and what they're like would be a helpful resource for many. 
I do think that there are, especially when it comes to like the anxiety, now that we have smartphones, um, there are some, you know, good apps out there mm-hmm. to be able to link to when, it, you know, when, so when we, if we're dealing more on the anxiety side, there's a stop, think, breathe app. That's an excellent resource. Um, and again, that can help with the impulsivity as well, but thinking of the anxiety as, as a main component there with that one. So good. Uh, we will put all of these in the show notes. Now, I know parents that if you have a child that struggles with impulse control, whether it's typical age and stage, whether it's anxiety, whether it's ADHD, ADD, it, for whatever reason, the reality is if you have a child that's struggling or you as a parent are struggling with your child struggling, right? it's really the reason why we're here. And so I want to encourage parents, um, again, not to go alone in this. That's the reason why there's thousands of books on this. Right. Uh, because it is an issue. You're not the only one that has been through this. And um, so what I would encourage you to do is reach out for yourself because it's important for you to have the support uh, and resources needed because you want to be effective and you love your kids. But also reach out for your child because what we know is that kids who don't get the help, it can impact their self-esteem. Right. And so we want to help these kids to be successful. They don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, today I'm going to <laughs> have poor impulse control and I'm right. going to get in trouble right. and I'm going to go that, you know, like they don't, that's not what they want. And so <laughs> no, they don't want that. Right. So like we don't, we want to give them the help that they deserve and they need. So please don't try to go it alone and uh, make use of these resources, but call us. We'll connect you. Um, Mike is one of our many therapists that are trained in working with kids and have effective strategies in working with kids. So reach out to us. And if there's anything that we can do for you, that's why we're here. Um, Let us know. And we look forward to seeing you or hearing or talking with you again next week um, on the topic of what to do when you catch your child with porn. So Mike, thanks again. Oh, you're welcome. uh, Glad to be here. And uh, we'll see you all soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317 979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.